Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. All right, welcome everybody. The Sacred Fire of Liberty edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show commences now. Yes, I'm still kind of semi hanging out at the beach in California, and Jonathan E. Mort is likely to make fun of my glasses, but I'm man enough to take it. Jonathan, my brother, how are you? Just fine, Robert. Um, I, I want to compliment you. There's no haze around your head. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you seem, oh, 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 no. That's beautiful, Robert. Yeah. Yes, it's the beautiful Pacific Ocean behind me today. Yeah. And, and again, I wish wish you were here. I know you hang out sometimes in Arizona, the desert. You go up to the mountains of Montana and, yeah. and do amazing adventures. I've survived thus far, California. Look, the highlight for me and my wife and my daughter who, who are here together uh, is the ease of access to organic food in restaurants. We've been able to eat really well. And even though they have lingering signs of you must wear a mask and social distance, they just forgot to take the signs down. So, so far, so good. And uh, we're just going to enjoy the, the sunshine, vitamin D, and beautiful sunsets. Yeah, there's a new attraction in California, Robert. It's the homeless camps. <laughs> and you can go there for free, and you can observe some of the, the most unique and uh, unusual behavior on the planet right oh, yeah. there in California. So it's a new, it's Gavin Newsom's new um, international attraction is the homeless camps. In, in oh, it, it's rough. I, you know, my friend Michael Bolden, who we've talked about, 10th Amendment Center, he was living in downtown L.A. for many years and got, tried to hold out as long as he could, and it just got un, untenable as an understatement. You know, the things that were on the street, as you know, dropping from people, not good. Uh, sirens, fires, thefts, break-ins. Finally, he, he broke down and they, they moved to Irvine area and they have a beautiful place, thankfully. And they say <clears throat> they don't even have to lock doors there. So it's quite different even in the same state where there's sort of a conservative like Orange County bent toward uh, law and order a little bit. <laughs> People are respectful there. So there are some enclaves that are okay here. In the, in the midst of it, I'm not moving here, so don't worry. Uh, but it's been a fun visit thus far. I'm just going to say it that way. The people that well, I know here are still good. It's a real tragedy because people who need to be uh, institutionalized, and I mean that in the nicest sense of the word. In other words, mm -hmm. they need care. They need to be in an institution away from other people that they are liable to harm. Uh, and that they are liable to at least infect with disease potentially from living in these squalid and filthy camps. Um, yet the, uh, on, on the false premise of helping people, they are creating an economic benefit of living in these conditions, much like the border situation where they're creating this false sense that they're somehow engaged in a humanitarian effort when they're causing the cost of human life and really uh, victimization by the cartels. Here you have similar situation. These people are victimized on the streets. They are brutalized, raped. They're taken advantage of because of their mental illnesses. And they themselves who are, some of them are prone to violence or committing acts of violence against one another and against the rest of the community. This is not how you help people. This is certainly not how you help people. Mm -hmm. And yet that is the answer given to us by people like Gavin Newsom and the Democrat well, Party. The Biden administration, too, in terms of open border policies they'd like to see. And, you know, I, I haven't brought this up in a long time, but I used to describe this fairly regularly because the border issue has been something that's an ongoing issue and it bounces back and forth. Uh, but the idea of, of the, uh, the function of the cell, I like to look at, the natural world, you know, that was created for us and how it operates, how it functions. And 
you know, if we look, if we go down to the cell, we have a, a cell membrane or a cell wall, a border basically that is intact and that knows what it will let into the cell, that which is beneficial to it and that which is harmful to it. It has a natural protection and immune response, et cetera. And that, that necessarily, let's say rolls uphill. I say from the microcosm to the macrocosm to understand that on a nation level or a state level, the borders are there to define what exists and the operation of those borders to allow things only that are beneficial to the organism, if you will, in this case, a nation, are critically important for its survival or viability. And under the law of nations, a border is obviously necessary for a definition. If you don't have a border, you don't have a nation. Just as I've talked about, if you don't have an independent treasury, uh, there's also uh, some some things that don't fit in terms of the law of nations description or definition of a nation. So I try to always link the principles of life itself into the body politic. I mean, I know that's not popular for many politicians, but I know you understand what I'm saying and why it's important. Yes, Robert. Um, if you don't defend yourself, then you're ultimately going to be victimized. Um, and that's true of an individual and that's true of a nation. And what we've done is we've advertised to the world that we won't defend ourselves. We've told the world that uh, everything we have, you can take. There'll be no consequences of it, that we're going to disarm our criminal justice system and that the criminals can then have uh, run the gamut and, and be able to take advantage of everyone who's law abiding. And that's the message that's being sent. It's being sent to the world. It's being sent internally to criminal forces in our midst. And as a result, uh, bucolic scenes like you have behind you, Robert, are going to be increasingly rare because crime will extend itself wherever there is fortune. Yeah. So if you, and that's, that's, uh, that's a truism. It's a fundamental truth. Mm -hmm. And if we don't stand up now and defend property rights and liberty rights and ensure people have second amendment rights that mean something and ensure that the police are actually engaged in law enforcement and that the prosecutors are actually prosecuting criminals and that mm -hmm. those who are in, uh, convicted are actually incarcerated. If you don't have that, happening you have a broken system that is helping those who want to commit atrocities yeah that's what's and happening John, right now one of my dear friends his oh, i'm sorry her brother-in-law just passed away while we were here of fentanyl overdose fentanyl uh and the, you know the stuff that's flowing in uh you know a fraction of an amount that would you know normally be considered safe to take of other pain-killing drugs i mean that can kill a, a village uh, so it's a, it's a very serious, serious topic. And, yeah. um, this is not about, um, what do they call it? Xenophobia, right? This is not about that. People try to paint it as that, but you've got to recognize that even those countries, um, I mean, you talk about communist leftist countries, they control their border better than, uh, than we do. And I thought, isn't it interesting as many people in America on the political left, say we're so atrocious and outrageous the way we would want to have a border yet they pay no attention to their you know communist country uh desires and 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 their willingness to enforce border security uh, it's just it's so, so cognitive dissonance i don't know if that even begins to explain it about one hundred and ten thousand people are dying every year from fentanyl overdose the numbers keep increasing year after year and there's no effort 
none by the Biden administration to effectively deal with it. And unless you recognize that terrorist organizations exist in the form of the cartels and that they are abusing the people who are coming into this country, that they're controlling American immigration policy and they are inundating us with drugs and enabling our downfall, uh, unless you recognize that, that they are an enemy of the United States and that they need to be attacked and dealt with in order to protect our people, you don't understand the problem. Likewise, if you don't understand when upwards of 18,000 people of Title 42 goes by the wayside, upwards of 18,000 people a day will be entering the United States, it's estimated, that is an invasion. That is an invasion, and we are experiencing an invasion of people who we have no idea because we don't vet them at all of what their intentions are. Yeah, you don't you don't uh, invite someone into your house with no knowledge whatsoever of their background to stay with you and live with what you. What their intentions are. Life. Yeah, and that's where I talk yeah. about the the you know the basic biology of of life. And, and health and, and the safety of the cell and the survivability of the cell. It's the same concept. It, it determines that which is beneficial to it, that which is harmful to it, and enacts accordingly. And yet we are uh, described by some for doing the same or wanting to do the same as somehow cruel and all of the names they would call or, sl or slur us with. Uh, but the idea is in nature, this is how you are protected and you survive. And again, we take that it's out to the nation status. It's very naive and superficial to think that you can have prosperity and you can have freedom if you don't ensure the integrity of a republic. If you don't ensure the integrity of a republic. Remember, the founding fathers were worried about democracy on the notion that increasingly the size of a state such as such as the the uh the United States at the time was so large and so diverse that to attempt to have something like direct democracy would be a disaster that would invariably lead to tyranny. Yeah. And so they created a republic where representational elements existed along with those that formed a mixed constitution. But when you have a situation where you have no control over who enters your country, you obviously are inviting enemies of your country to use your own uh, idiocy, failure to protect yourself as a means to achieve your destruction. And the, the naivete that exists is that these people somehow interpret, despite the fact that for decades the communist Chinese have declared their intention to be the destruction of the United States, that somehow an open border is certainly okay even if it means that those enemies come into the country. Somehow an open border is okay if it means that terrorists come into the country. Somehow an open border is okay if it means drug traffickers and, and sex gangs and, and uh, criminal gangs come into this country. And they don't seem to care at all. There's no media coverage at all of the people who have had their property stolen, businesses looted, uh, people trespassing on their property, making it impossible to put their property to commercial use, who have had their families victimized, who've suffered rapes, murders, all because of no policing, no ability to distinguish good from bad people coming into the border, through the border. 
That's an utter disaster. It's chaos. Of course, everyone knows this who thinks about it seriously. And so that is, that is Biden's legacy. When he leaves, the greatest legacy he will have is one of destruction of this country. That is his legacy. That is what he has done. People complain about him. He's done nothing. They say that, you know, what, is, what has he done? He's passed massive spending bills, signed them into law, creating victimization in the form of inflation that's just ruined people. And he's destroyed the fossil fuel industry. He's made it very difficult for us to come back. He's imported massive amounts of fossil fuels from enemies of the United States, countries that are, that are opposite of our political system that hate our guts. He's paying them a premium. And so they're producing oil, oil that could be produced here domestically on what? The assumption that if they produce the oil, there's no pollution. It's absurd. It what about, absurd. you know, and then, and, and, but so you ask yourself, what has he done that has created a healthy economy, better life for Americans, better conditions, uh, greater survivability of the population? greater defense, greater respect for the United States, any indicator you look to that is a sign of greatness of, of a nation that's expanding and growing and is profiting and is prosperous and that is raising the standard of living of every American, which should be our goal. Our goal should be a better, 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 better America, as opposed to an America that we accept and allow others to destroy. His, he has done more harm to our country than our worst enemies. He, if, you're, if you're sitting in the position of Xi Jinping or Putin and you're looking at the United States, you're saying to yourself, wow, uh, we've tried for decades to achieve what Biden has done in a year, two years. And amazingly enough, the American people are destroying themselves. They're destroying themselves by having incompetent leadership that is driving the country's wealthiest uh, elements and industries into poverty and is making a, the future impossible. Gee, if they keep going at this pace, we won't have to invade the country. We'll just walk across the open border yeah. and take up positions and we'll just say, okay, here's, you want a law and order? Here's the police department. It's run by the CCP. Oh, don't worry about that. Uh, and we will, they, they will insinuate themselves into our country because you've got people who are embracing their ideology and who have no respect for the integrity of our country and who really just have already made it open season. You can pick off the United States of America because Joe Biden will not defend it. Jonathan, I want to talk to you about this um, article about Chief Justice John Roberts. I'm not a big fan of his, especially when he twisted into a pretzel the Constitution to make Obamacare somehow constitutional. But according to this article, he had just recently uh, halted the lower court's decision that would have lifted the CDC and uh, Title 42 Public Health Authority at the United States-Mexico border. Uh, and maybe you can give, a, a again, a, a brief overview of Title 42 and I'm not a big fan of the CDC either, but was there some semblance of concern for people coming in that were not well and that could have harmed Americans inadvertently just because they weren't well? So Title 42 gives the federal government the power, the president particularly, the power to prevent people from coming into this country that might spread disease. 
And it had been used numerous times to prevent people who are seeking asylum from coming into this country uh, and inundating our nation with, you know, enormous numbers. So when you remove Title 42, the anticipated impact is to uh, triple the number of uh, people who come in illegally into the United States. And what Justice Roberts has done in response to states explaining that there is a dire situation, that they're going to be inundated, that the numbers are going to triple who are coming in illegally and that they cannot, they do not have the resources, they don't have the public health facilities, they don't have the uh, welfare and housing, etc., to accommodate such a massive influx of people through their communities and through their states. And in response to that, Roberts has uh, adopted an administrative stay, which is a temporary stay that keeps in place Title 42 until the court addresses the underlying merits. In this case, there were two courts, uh, uh, the United States District Court for the District of Columbia and the United States Court of Appeals for the DC Circuit, each of whom, at first uh, Judge Emmett Sullivan in the district court held that the uh, president does not have to enforce Title 42, and the Court of Appeals affirmed that. Uh, now the Supreme Court will look at it um, and hopefully will come to the conclusion that Title 42 has to be enforced. And I think the rationale given for uh, the positions by Su Sullivan and the affirmance by the DC Circuit are not sound. I think that the the uh, the reality is that there is overall a failure to enforce the immigration laws, which needs to be respect uh, uh, identified directly by the court. It needs to be stated plainly that this administration has has removed defenses of the southern border, such that we are experiencing a degree of inundation of illegals into the country that is uh, totally inconsistent with the plain and intended meaning of the. Immigration Act and is a violation of the Immigration Act and the policies have been pursued by Mayorkas uh, that have been designed to redirect border protection to facilitate border uh, people uh, being introduced in the country all over the nation and that in light of that uh, the interpretation taken of Title 42 without um, notice and comment rulemaking without evidence to support the conclusion that this would have no dire or extreme adverse effect upon the nation uh, and without proof in particular very much so that uh, the populations coming across are not going to uh, uh, expand the pandemic in unpredictable ways or introduce new variants or cause the people of the United States to suffer more um, from disease in general. Um, that failure uh, makes it an arbitrary and capricious decision of the executive that ought not be um, allowed to stand and the Title 42 as it's currently construed should remain in place um, as a result of the lack of legal- Do you, sense, do you sense that in the following, that, you know, com upcoming court hearings on this, that the 42 will survive or that they'll uh, you know, lean against it based on what, what court it's going to next? I really don't know. Um, it's an uphill battle because of the two prior decisions. Um, 
it's, I don't know. I would hope that the Supreme Court would take up the merits and would address it and would look at it in the way that I'm talking about, because this is simply a window into the entire uh, absence of enforcement. If you had a, a viable system that was protecting the border uh, from illegal entry, then the issue of whether you enforce Title 42 or not might be something that carried less weight. But in light of the fact that there is no border protection and that they're lying to the American people when they say that we have border protection and that the evidence is overwhelming that we don't and that the numbers of people coming through are likely to triple and that that would have a dire consequence on the health and safety and welfare of people. I think it is wholly arbitrary and capricious for this administration to contend that they can dispense with 42 without materially adversely affecting every person in this country. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it plays out. Also, uh, of course the Biden administration spokes, whatever, um, she's claiming. Can you imagine the, the, what the amount, I mean, taxpayers are going to be paying through welfare, massive amounts to support a population of people coming across the border that is vastly in excess of any, uh, reasonable expectation for employment. It's going to put huge, uh, burdens on the healthcare system on the criminal justice system. Uh, uh, it's going to increase the number of crimes that are committed from trespass all the way through to murder because Jonathan, there's no vetting. No, you, and you bring up the welfare aspect. This was a big point that Ron Paul made all those years ago because we have, you know, in, in a, for those that are libertarian leaning, you feel like, well, you know, you don't want to exclude people that want to be here. But at the same time, when you have a welfare state, they come in here and immediately take and take and drain and drain even further the problem with the welfare state. Uh, so it's an important point of distinction that if you could come here and you couldn't immediately just drain the country and have, you know, benefits given to you, it would change the equation of people trying to come here. Certainly not fully all of it, but it'd be a significant part. And I think that's another aspect of the, um, you know, welfare uh, state is that it, it draws people in for free stuff. And um, you, Not only that, be- you, know, you have to have you in order to have a functional republic, you have to have people who support and uphold the Constitution and the laws. If people coming into your country still subscribe to ideological views that are anathema to our country. They hate freedom. They hate, they want government dictatorship control. They do not believe in individual liberty. They don't believe in private property. They don't believe, you know, if that's what they, if they subscribe to these views of authoritarianism, then what you're doing is introducing into your country, people who are, who are going to feed a revolution. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we expect those who come into this country have historically expected those who come into this country to assimilate, not to destroy it. We've looked for productivity, not a, a welfare recipient. We're looking for people who will add to the country and increase it. We have to have as a standard 
for anyone coming into this country to be a citizen who is old enough to work, that that person establish him or herself to be productive, able to contribute, and to be able to enhance life, not only for themselves, but for others, and to be willing to defend our country and to be willing to swear allegiance to the United States, to the Constitution, and renounce their former allegiance to another country with another system of government. If you don't do any of that, then what you have are people who are saying, I'm here and really my country is here too, because I don't believe in what you stand for, but that's okay because I'm gonna take advantage of the material benefits of being in America without becoming an American. To be an American means fundamentally that you subscribe to the tenets described in the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States. If you don't do those things, who are you? You're certainly not an American. You are not a citizen of the United States. And we are allowing people into this country in droves who are not citizens, who are people who are citizens of another country who get to take advantage of the United States and its wealth but who do not have to assimilate, who do not have to become Americans. That is the fundamental mistake that will carry with it generations of disaster for America because if that, that change of allowing people into the country who have not sworn allegiance to this country, who don't understand our political system, or if they do, who do not subscribe to it, that element is a threat to our existence. The failure to recognize that is profound. What if um, we recognize one day, like we have, that many people who have sworn allegiance to the Constitution in Congress, in the Senate, at the presidential level, don't actually believe the allegiance that they've sworn. They're just saying it and paying lip service to it. And I, I bring that up regarding this new omnibus spending bill that Congress just released, $1.7 trillion, 4,000 plus pages, and they give what, the people, the Congress critters, a couple of days to read it before they have to vote on it or else the government shuts down as we know what that really means. But if you look in this, the amount of spending and uh, you know, both on the Democrat and Republican side is, you've used the term ruinous to the future of the Republic. You cannot continue, we're already $31 trillion in debt that you can't even question. And this $1.7 trillion spending bill, or is it 1.4? Yeah, 1.7. It's like, this is why, and I'm just going to give you a plug, not that you're asking for it, why I want you in the Senate. Because somebody has to speak out. There's very little opposition to this, very little eloquent opposition that actually has a basis that people will go, oh, pause and think it's not just a Republican partisan talking point, because that's not what you're about. You're about a constitutional discussion and bringing these elements back in. So once again, we have a Congress that has both Democrats and Republicans in and very little opposition to a spending bill like this. It's one of the greatest tragedies because the people have just elected a Republican House of Representatives dedicated to fiscal responsibility. The people coming in want a chance to be able to cut government spending to save our nation from drowning in inflation. And here you have irresponsible leadership in the Republican Party agreeing with not all, I mean, many Republicans are opposing this, but there are members in the leadership who have supported this 
and who are going in in complicity with Democrats to vote for hamstringing the, the incoming Republicans so that they are forced into a situation where they don't have control over the Senate, so they won't be able to amend this legislation when this legislation passes on a bipartisan basis before they're even seated and have a majority control, they are then bound by this spending, which is going to exacerbate inflation and promote this green agenda in spades and ruin the country under their watch without them having any ability to control it. And that's, that's a tragedy. What this points to is that 2024 becomes the all important year not only for a presidential election, but also for elections to the United States Senate. Because if we do not change the composition of the existing incumbent senators, uh, at least to the extent of getting rid of Democrats and putting in Republicans who are dedicated to fiscal responsibility, then we're going to see more of this. It's going to be ruinous for a long time. And it's so tragic because, you know, under the Trump years, we had prosperity and it, it could have been even better under the Trump years, but it was great. And the point is that you take the greatest nation on earth, the most powerful and the, and the wealthiest nation on earth, and no foreign power is crippling us. Our own government leaders are crippling us. Yeah, it's happening from within. That's what my point was about here we can talk about those coming across the border, and that's a problem. I acknowledge it. But, dude, we've got a more serious problem is that those in power right now are doing everything in their power to destroy the integrity and the functional reality of our existence as a nation. It's like, holy sure. moly, it's one thing to have enemies external to us. It's now the concept of the domestic uh, agenda and those who are in power both Republican and Democrat, with some exceptions that we point out when we have them, uh, that are willing to destroy economically our ability to be a functional country, a society, people who enjoy freedom and a standard of living unprecedented in the history of nations on this planet of recorded history. Uh, it, so, It reminds us of Abraham Lincoln's statement to youth many, many years ago, where he said that no foreign nation would destroy the United States, that if the United States is to be destroyed, it would be us. It would be the people of the United States through their representatives that could do that. He said that we are the author and the finisher of our fate. And that is very much true. Uh, we have a blessed land. This is a glorious thing, the United States Constitution, the Declaration of Independence bringing to us a unique legacy of liberty that was unique in all the world. Uh, no other country invested in the sovereignty of individuals. No other country said that the government was instituted among men for the purpose of protecting the rights of the governed. This was unique to our history and our, our and, and here it is, despite the fact that that's glorious. In fact, it's so brilliant that it defines the greatest nation on earth in the history of all of the earth. And yet we have people who are utterly committed to its destruction who are in government power and who are wielding that power to achieve that destruction as rapidly as possible. And the fate, you know, of our nation is in the balance here. And unless we rise and take back our country and defend freedom, it will be lost. It mm -hmm. will be lost. You can't take it for granted. 
you have to recognize that unless you fight to defend freedom in this country under these circumstances, it will be lost. The force of government, the massive wealth of the state is now being dedicated to an agenda that destroys the United States, that makes us irrelevant, that turns us into a victim nation rather than a great and triumphant nation of prosperity and of promise and of hope. And that is so tragic because when you look at our history, it's not as they paint it, portray it of an evil society that victimizes itself and that is uh, a, an oppressor to the world. The truth is so far from that. We have been the hope and the light and the promise of the world and of our own people. We have created a society that recognizes the paramount importance of liberty. Mm -hmm. And that has made us the greatest nation on earth. Liberty and prosperity, freedom and progress go hand in hand. As long as there is freedom, there is progress. Yeah. If you take away freedom, you no longer progress. You instead become like a slave society. You regress into that state that you, you would proclaim that you wouldn't like, but then you end up inevitably there. And to your point as well, it, it, Jonathan is not uh, saying, as we've had these discussions many times, that there, there have never been problems. There's never been times in our history where we haven't risen to the highest ideals. That's just not life and realistic. There's always going to be challenges. But in terms of uh, looking around the planet and the forms of government out there, where has freedom uh, been paramount and the fundamental uh, starting, you know, beginning, middle and ending point? Uh, where has a country, a nation invested in the individual sovereignty, the protection of the sovereignty of the individual? No other form of government. Others have tried to copy bits of it, but no one has invested in it the way we have. And the question is, are we willing to abandon it? I'm not. I know Jonathan Emord is not. And I just want to remind you that there's an exploratory committee for Jonathan Emord to run for the United States Senate in 2024. It will be coming two years from now to defeat Tim Kaine in Virginia. I would urge you to support him. Consider all the things that we've done for years together. You know who Jonathan is and what it would mean if he were in the U.S. Senate. And I, I look forward to someday soon, Jonathan, that we get to say it's no longer an exploratory committee, that we've raised enough to get you over the hump to the next level to take this on and get you in the United States Senate so that you can uh, bring your constitutional knowledge and commitment and integrity to a place that has very few folks doing that and that you would impact and uplift rather than be uh, degraded and corrupted by it because I know you well and this is, <laughs> they could try all they want. They ain't going to succeed when it comes to you, my friend. Well, Robert, um, you know, if you have to be true to yourself and you have to be true to your country, you have to be honest. And we are sadly in an environment where dishonesty, manipulation, misrepresentation is predominant. And I don't mean to tell people that there isn't hope. There still is hope. We have a great nation. We, we do enjoy a great degree of freedom in this country, but we have to realize that there are enemies who have power and they're in government and they are trying to take it all away. They really are. And the, the, the problem, a lot of people just refuse to accept it. They refuse to accept the reality that the administrative state uh, has grown to the extent that it has that 
no longer are those they elect really running the show. It's the administrative state. Sure, the people they elect could change that, but they aren't. And the real reason for that is a lack of leadership. It's convenient. It's convenient for people in Congress not to accept responsibility for the law, not to have the, the, the give the power to turn the power over to the administrative agencies to make the law, to prosecute people for breaking the law, and to judge the people for breaking the law. That is tyranny. That's tyranny. When you combine all of those powers in single hands, the founding fathers knew that well. They'd experienced yeah. it and they understood that. Montesquieu and the spirit of the laws explained it. They love Montesquieu because of it. They realized that if you don't separate into separate branches of government, legislative, judicial, and executive powers, you have a tyranny. You have the same thing as an absolute monarch. You have the same thing as a communist state in modern terms. You uh, lose the ability to have justice. You no longer have justice. So in this rush to create this massive administrative state that controls every aspect of our lives, which is the Biden administration objective, you have in this process a total uh, reduction in your freedom and a total expansion in the power of bureaucrats to decide for you what your future will be. That's the way it is in communist countries. And that's what they want to bring here. And they do it on the promise, which is always false, of a society in which one villain or another is, is, is eviscerated. So they say that climate change will be eviscerated. That's not true. They even admit it's not true in the process. I mean, it was John Kerry himself who said that no matter what the United States does, the pollution from the rest of the world I know. caused the climate change problem to persist. And then they exaggerate the climate change problem. You know, we have pollution problems, no question yes. about it. And we have to manage that, but we don't manage it by rendering the human species extinct. <laughs> you don't, you don't save every other species so by absurd. rendering man extinct. Yeah. And yeah. certainly don't save other species by rendering man impoverished. If you make human beings impoverished, the planet will actually become more of a pit because what will people do? If you can't have fossil fuels, you're going to go chop down trees and burn. Yeah, they will burn every piece of wood yeah. that is available to it. And deforestation becomes, you know, the next uh, crisis that is it's real. And then, of course, the inability to convert CO2 into oxygen, which is, you know, I, we've been down this road, you and I and many others, so, so long. And it's just so absurd that we even have to talk about the climate change versus the real issue, which is toxicological burdens that we all are in. It's really Trojan horse for socialism, as yes. AOC's chief of staff readily admitted. It is. Uh, yeah. The whole thing is really a Trojan horse. You're talking about a fraud. You're talking about people who have bought into a fraud as a vehicle to gain more power. They're, they're willing to mislead you, to deceive you, and to take everything you have under the, under the false premise that your life in some respect may be in, in enhanced. They've even gone to the point of abandoning that, of saying things like Bernie Sanders says that waiting in lines like in the former Soviet Union is not a bad thing. We just need to get used to waiting in lines. We need to get used to fewer uh, opportunities for e employment, fewer opportunities to buy things in the grocery store. We need to have less choice. Less choice is not a, a bad thing. It's a good thing. 
uh, leave it to others to decide at your healthcare. You shouldn't be as a patient deciding what's in your own best interest because you should leave it to experts. And those experts need to be under bureaucratic control mm -hmm. because we need to allocate resources based on factors other than your health. What what of those? So for example, if 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 we think that advancing the race of one race or another is a good thing, then you need to stand in back of the line. If you need health care, all others of the preferred race need to be treated first. The experts, Jonathan, in healthcare, even before this is fully implemented, have embraced collectivism. This is a right. problem with modern medicine in a controlled bureaucratic, you know, oligarchy. It becomes beholden to a collective and not the individual because they, as you point out, allocating scarce resources made scarce, not by nature, but by man in rationing. And then they begin a one size fits all approach to the individual's health, which is right. Why, why do they do that? They do that because then they get to control the outcome. Yeah. And what they don't want is each individual separately deciding what is in his, his or her own best interest and finding people who will cater to their needs. That approach, that free market in healthcare means that they don't have control. If you look at it, these people are not um, pursuing things out of benevolence because they choose markets that have the greatest economic potential and, and the greatest uh, economic value as the ones to regulate the, the most. And then they go in and they co-opt industry leaders and they get those leaders to believe that the regulations will create anti-competitive barriers to competition. So they get conformity in the industry against a free market towards collectivism, conformity, and then they use their power to enforce that conformity by pushing out of existence the competitors to these people. So they create a guild or they create a small controllable group of very wealthy institutions. They like centralization. They want the market to centralize. Centralized markets offer fewer goods and services, fewer opportunities, far less upward mobility, and they take away your freedom. They take away as a consumer, your freedom of choice. They take away pricing that is affordable. And instead you get above market pricing. Mm -hmm. And they also, end up being able to do like this ESG movement, which is to say that investments that you might find to be economically worthwhile, in fact, might give you a substantial return on investment, are ones that they will write off for political reasons as against society in one respect or another, against the environment, against preferred groups in the society, and so on. Rather than giving you the freedom to choose, and to make and to determine whether you yourself thinks these particular matters are of the utmost importance in guiding your decisions, they make them for you and they do it. They're insinuating themselves through every aspect of the market. They're controlling the market so that it will be largely invisible to you. You'll go into a bank and try to take out a loan and then you'll suddenly discover that you don't qualify for the loan. And then if you dig into it, you'll find out that you didn't make enough contributions to certain charities that are indicative of a far well, left. Yeah, your political beliefs, your beliefs about your religion, 
all of those things will uh, wield against you the ability to to get a loan, not because you're not economically viable. It has nothing to do with that, which is the whole basis for that kind of uh, concept in, in terms of uh, re- requesting money alone to build a business. The other thing about centralizing bureaucracy uh, that we didn't touch on, but it's obvious, I think, to this audience, is the ability and the ease with which industry can own and control that centralized bureaucracy, the capturing of the agencies that make it well, the only way they can control it is to have these government bureaucratic agencies, but then centralizing it makes it easy to go to one place. It's like a one-stop shop for the pharmaceutical industrial complex to mandate a monopoly through government. And and then we end up sicker and and more in debt than ever because the money that you have to pay in a monopoly is far greater, higher than... This is an incredible journey we're on, and I love being able to relate the things we get to relate with you when we do the sacred fire of liberty hour on the robert scott bell show each week and for those of you who haven't seen emord for va emord emord for forva.com that's the exploratory committee for jonathan emord uh to uh, investigate running for the united states senate two years hence in virginia to defeat tim kane continue to support and we will likely have an announcement hopefully in the new year uh soon also other upcoming events jonathan uh in february 18th and 19th of 2023 uh, we have the Trinity Health Freedom Expo, the virtual expo, which will include all of the lectures and seminars and things, including Jonathan's amazing opening uh, speech as well. And even if you were there, you couldn't see everything. And there'll be additional, uh, I believe, live health freedom panels and other discussions that will be available to you through the Whova app. I think it's like 30 bucks and you get three months to view it all. It's such a great, great deal. And to support our friends at Trinity School of Natural Health, you can go to trinityhealthfreedomexpo.com as well. And also, uh, Jonathan, other upcoming events uh, that are happening. Uh, we talk about the immune system of the country. I've, I've got a, a doctor that interviewed me for an autoimmunity summit, kind of an online summit. And uh, I have perspectives, of course, that are different from pharmaceutical uh, perspectives. But I think in a free market, we'd get to look and learn about all of them. And we're taking these things online, which is really quite good. Uh, to help people to know that there are options beyond what they're hearing in so-called mainstream uh, pharmaceutically conflicted media outlets. Uh, We've got to do better at communicating. So there's Living Your Best Life Autoimmunity, and that's happening uh, basically uh, online. And then there are other events coming up. The Uncensored Truth American Health and Freedom Summit and Expo. That's in Orlando, Florida. Uh, That's January uh, 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th. At the Hyatt there, we'll have... uh, Peter McCullough, who's amazing. What a wonderful man. Dr. David Martin, who Jonathan and I both know and really respect immensely. Uh, Judy Mikovits. Uh, there's chiropractic doctor Billy DeMoss, very freedom-oriented guy, if there ever was one. Uh, Dr. Ed Group. There's a lot of great people that are going to be together uh, at this event. Barbara Lowe Fisher uh, from the National Vaccine Information Center is also going to be there. So you And, and our friend Casey Krejci is also going to be one of the keynote speakers. I can't wait to see Casey and Happy belated birthday to Casey. I wish I could have been there with them in Florida. They had a big party. Many of my friends that I know were there with Casey as well celebrating. Yeah, I wish I could have made that party. Unfortunately, I too couldn't be there because my daughter was in a play. But uh, anyway, uh, what a phenomenal uh, singer my daughter has become. But oh, I love it. I love our daughters. They're so ridiculously talented. By the way, check this out. I'm going to see if this works. Uh, we're staying at this gorgeous beach, ha- beach house due to because of a, a dear friend who's a supporter of our message of health, freedom, and healing liberty. And my daughter drew this to show the view wow. right outside the window here of the ocean behind me. It's hard to see it with the. Uh, I think you can see that. Oh, we can but, see it well, Robert. Yeah. yeah. So 
it's like we said, Ari, hey, can you draw something for our our house? Uh, you know, the, the people that allow us, to, you know, just so generous to give us this place to stay. She's like, yeah, sure. And she whips this thing out. Wow. It's amazing. Yeah, that's really impressive. So, but again, the talent that's coming up in these kids that haven't been harmed by uh, a lot of shots and drugs and, and given good food and supplements, we see the potential that these kids have. And our future, I believe, is in good hands with them. Uh, unfortunately, many that don't know this have subjected themselves and their children to harmful, uh, unnecessary medical interventions approved by emergency use authorization. And we're seeing the devastating consequences play that play themselves out every day. And, and I've got, you know, la a couple of days ago, Jonathan, we had a, another OBGYN talking about the disaster in terms of fertility uh, uh, and having children at all because of this. And, and that the FDA knew of these consequences and, and covered them up and they're coming out. It's all coming out now. And also, you know, to ask you a little bit more about our friends at the ANH and their latest on, on, you know, what's real and what's not real about the homeopathic regulations, because in homeopathy, there are a lot of options that are not considered for a lot of these things, whether they be prevention or, uh, or remediation of the, even the injuries and damage caused by COVID jabs. Um, so what can you tell us about the Alliance for Natural Health and what they're trying to do is put perspective on you know, what they're saying about the regulation of homeopathy now, because people are concerned, is it off the market yesterday or is there something else going on? The FDA is intent on making homeopathy illegal in the United States by subjecting homeopathic drugs to the allopathic system of drug reviews. Uh, and this is insane because homeopathic drugs are largely not patentable. So the billion dollars or so of investment per drug that is required to satisfy FDA with adequate uh, proof is simply um, not going to happen. So what they're doing is putting the homeopathy under a regime Congress never intended, which was the drug approval process, and uh, with full knowledge that it will shut down the entire homeopathic market in the United States. This is yet another example of collectivization, centralized government control. The bureaucrats in, at the FDA want to protect the drug industry from competition. They now have what they perceive to be the opportune moment to, to strike, and they are getting rid of what is a massive health market that has served our country for decades, generations, hundreds of years, actually. And they are doing it in really remarkably short period of time with remarkably low resistance and with the public largely oblivious so that you will eventually go to wherever you go to get homeopathic drugs and they will not be there. And so then you will be upset. And the reality is that this happened because bureaucrats who like to operate in the night like cockroaches um, have achieved a robbing of your cupboard such that when you open the cupboard door in the morning expecting to see food, you see nothing at all. And that's, that's what's happening in this market. We're seeing them uh, preparing for the complete obliteration of the homeopathic marketplace. That's really what's at stake. This is a centuries-old attempt by one form of medicine to gain a monopoly stranglehold on the marketplace to deny it, you. It arises from a fundamental premise that is antithetical to our Constitution and to, really, Western jurisprudence. Mm -hmm. when, when one individual is not causing another harm or injury, 
there really is no role for the state to reorder their relationship because the government is appropriately something for which we rely to protect individuals from injury, but not something for which we rely in ordering relationships one to another. So if it is the desire of the population, which it is in spades, to have access to homeopathic products, when government presumes to take away those products despite the absence of proof of injury, government acts in a way that really exceeds the proper role of government in a republic. Um, it was Jefferson who defined liberty for us. That's unobstructed action according to our will within limits drawn around us by the equal rights of others. He said, I did not say within the limits of the law because the law is often but the tyrant's will and always so when it violates an individual's rights. That is the essence of liberty in America. And that is the enemy of the administrative state because the FDA, look, there is no hue and cry in the public that people are dropping dead because of homeopathic products. There's no, there's not even a peep about that. And yet why in the absence of a problem is the government spending millions of dollars to create a new regime where homeopathic products will be regulated differently such that they will be removed from the marketplace? Why is that? Is it not clear that they are operating anti-competitive? The yeah, are they not operating on behalf of, uh, uh, let's say, someone else's agenda, someone who may have captured our government and government agencies that don't believe right. in freedom? Not, certainly not. Uh, remember, this is an entity that is not a representative entity of the, the people, and yet they're wielding the lawmaking power, right? So that this is an unlawful, unconstitutional delegation of legislative power to the executive branch through the administrative agencies, in this case, the FDA. And that use of power to act against the public, not to protect the public, is indicative of the modern administrative state. That's the problem we face. They are eating our freedom. Every day they go to work to circumscribe your freedom of choice to enhance their desired uh, world, which is in this case, an anti-competitive world in which the only therapeutic substances you are allowed to understand have an effect on your health are drugs. They, they, this is consistent. They have, they have suppressed health information, nutrient disease information. They made it very hard for you to get truthful information despite the plethora of scientific evidence associating nutrients with disease risk reduction and treatment. You can't get that information because although the First Amendment stands as a barrier to prior restraint, prior restraint is the ordinary way in which the FDA operates. Yeah. So, so you know, this is this and, and and with homeopathy, it's it is under assault. It is very nearly going to be extinguished, and unless action is taken to rein in this rogue FDA, we're going to see that happen. Well, again, another reason why you want Jonathan Emord in the U.S. Senate. In addition, there's a link to the Alliance for Natural Health, a great organization we support as well, uh, as far as what you can do in the interim. Uh, immediately. And I'd love for you to check that out. That link is up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com, robertscottbell.com. Jonathan, we just got a, a couple of minutes or less here to wrap up. Um, how Christmas plans? Are you going to be home for the holidays? Are you going to go out and travel with the family? What's happening coming up? 
So I'm very grateful that my family is going to be all together for Christmas. It's the one, most wonderful thing in the world to be at home and together for Christmas, I think. And I, I just cherish those moments. So it's a great opportunity. It's a time to reflect upon Jesus Christ and the centrality of Christ in your life. If you're a Christian and if you're not a Christian, that your Lord and your, your heavenly father is there. Uh, to provide you with comfort and protection. It is, um, it's great to be in a country that recognizes the First Amendment, that provides us with freedom of religion. But remember that that too is under assault today. Yeah. And we cannot take any of our freedoms for granted because believe it or not, all of them are in one way or another under assault. So celebrate yeah. the freedoms that you have this Christmas. Pray that they'll continue to be there next Christmas and fight for them in between. Yeah, bring the spirit back into everything you do, folks. Uh, happy Hanukkah as well. Merry Christmas. Jonathan E. Mord, my brother, love you, appreciate you. Love to the whole family. And uh, we will uh, con consider reconvening. I don't even know. I'll have to talk to Super Don about the rest of the year schedule, but we'll crank up an amazing 2023 where we will see the rekindling of that sacred fire of liberty like never before in our lifetime. That is our plan. So thank you, Jonathan. You bet. Thank you so much, Robert. Remember, the God's honest truth, the power to heal is still yours.